The season of Advent prepares us for Christmas. Today's the first Sunday of Advent. We are we're going to be for the next month. We're going to be preparing our hearts and minds for the coming of Christ, and then the day after that will be the coming of Santa Hatchet. And I, I look around the room, and I know a lot of people in here have already done Santa Hatchet. And don't need to talk about it. And don't need to hear about it. But you're going to hear a little bit about it this morning because in about a month, Johnny Tanner won't be up here. He'll be underneath a floor in somebody's house, and he does well under there. And he also does better when he's giving us instructions on how to do everything. But we love him. Uh, apologies to my men's Bible study. Not my fault, but Hank decided to do the wedding at Cana, turning the water into wine. And we just did that a couple of weeks ago. So some of this may be a, some of this may be a rerun for you, but it's an interesting subject. And let's see how we can kind of, let's see how the Lord wants to turn this into talking about Santa Hatchie. <laughs> I'm going to be just as excited as you are to find out. I've got a devotional that I found getting ready for our men's Bible study. And if you ever want to look it up, it's called Coffee with the King. I think it's .org. But if you just put in Coffee with the King, it'll give it to you. And there's a pastor named Tim McBride who does a daily devotion. And if you look back in his archives, you'll see just about anything you want to talk about or teach about. So, we're doing uh, John 2, 1 through 12 this morning, and Pastor McBride, with his sense of humor, calls this grape expectations. So, let's read the scripture. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out... The mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and me? My hour has not yet come. That's important. Remember that. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Isn't that a typical mama? He says, This has got nothing to do with me. I'm not interested in doing this. Does she listen to what he says? Or does she tell him what to do? Nope. She just looks at the servants and says, do whatever he tells you. And then she probably walked off. Because she figured that he probably was going to do something. And and tradition has it that his father, Joseph, had died years before this. And so he was, Mary was probably real used to having Jesus take care of stuff while while he was growing up, not being a father there. All right. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Six jars, 30 gallons, 180 gallons. This is a lot of wine coming up, folks. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water, and they filled them to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. The chief steward is kind of like the wedding director. The chief steward has one job, and that's to make sure everything goes smoothly. Okay? So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. 
and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. A little bit earlier in this story, like at the end of chapter 1, Jesus had called Nathanael to be a disciple. And in John 1 through 50, Jesus said to Nathanael, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. He saw him under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. You will see greater things than that. And then right in the beginning of chapter 2, we start seeing greater things than that. I've always kind of thought it was odd that Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine. It seems a little below Jesus, if you know what I mean. He, he's got bigger things in mind. But that kind of tells us something about our Lord. And hopefully we'll get to that in a minute. But let's start with great expectations. First of all, Cana is a little hick town out in the country way out in Galilee. And so there's not going to be a whole lot of people to, to notice this miracle to start with. This is not Jerusalem. Jesus is not on the big stage in Jerusalem yet. He's at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. <clears throat> but he knew everybody there, and his mother, more importantly, knew everybody there. All right, so when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Well, when we run out of something at a party, what do we do? We just get in the car and go to the convenience store or to the Harris Theater or wherever we go. I'm sorry, to the IGA, to KJ's in Ebenezer if you like a good grocery store. But we get in the car and we run there quick and we get what we need. It was a little harder back then to get the camel cranked that quick. There was no convenience store to go to. And you say, well, maybe that's not such a big deal. But listen to this. In the first century, which is when this happened, it was of the utmost importance. The family's honor was at stake here. To run out for food or drink at a wedding would bring shame on your family for years, if not generations. How about that? If you ran out of wine or food, your family would be shamed for generations. Okay? So that's a bigger deal than we think. Some rabbis actually described a person who failed to provide adequately for their guest as a thief. That's pretty bad. It would impact whom the other children could marry, their economic prospects, and the family's reputation. In this grand scheme of God's plan for humanity, it was irrelevant. But to this family, it was a big deal. So what does Jesus do in response to his mother's implicit request for help? What does he do? He says, this, isn't my, this is not my problem. He says, my time has not come yet. My time has not come yet. But his mama, like we discussed earlier, she just ignored that and moved on. She said, do whatever he says. Realize that, and this is important, because he called her woman, which sounds bad. I would never have called my mother woman. I would have gotten something handed to me in a hurry. First off, Realize that the address woman is, in fact, far more polite than the translation suggests to our ears. And it's probably better translated, what's that got to do with you and me? 
How is that my problem? I've got bigger fish to fry. My hour has not yet come. It wasn't the time for Jesus to reveal himself to the world. It wasn't part of the plan. A little wedding in a hick country town up in Galilee. Quite rightly, Jesus could have refused to help. After all, there were plenty of other families at the time who were facing their own social and economic crises. He can't get caught up in all of them and still fulfill his mission. And that's what lies behind his decision to leave Capernaum in Mark. Don't you remember? He says, nobody will listen to anything you say in your hometown. I'm going somewhere else. These people have known me since I grew up. So he says, I'm leaving Capernaum. When the whole town was was chasing him down. But his mother leaves it in Jesus' hands. So what does he do? Despite the fact that it's not part of the plan... He sees the need, has compassion, and miraculously provides. Not in a big showy attention getting way, just quietly so that only the servants and his mother and the disciples know what happened. So there are a lot of people at this wedding that don't have any idea what happened. They just know that all of a sudden 180 gallons of really good wine showed up. Okay? Because his hour to reveal himself publicly had not yet come he has six stone waters jars of water filled six stone jars filled with water and simply turns them into wine catering problem solved let's quietly move on but he can't help himself he doesn't just make average quality wine let alone the cheap cast wine they would have been serving by this point in the wedding feast I probably ought not to tell this on myself, but there's been lots of times at parties when you, the first round is the pretty good stuff, and, and then you go to the... Oh, by the way, my confirmands are in here this morning, uh, so don't, don't listen to a word I just said. <clears throat> the master of the banquet is important in this story. Now, first of all, these jars were filled with water for the Jewish ritual of cleansing. They had to wash their hands before they ate or drank anything. And multiple times during this wedding feast, they would have used this water to wash their hands. Bible study guys, we talked about this. The water is what a symbol of what? What is that water a symbol of? That water is a symbol of the old covenant, of the the covenant to the Jews. Jesus is the new covenant. So he is using this symbolism of the water to wash with as not being relevant anymore. And he's moving on and made the good wine. So what's the point of this story? I know y'all are interested in seeing where we're going with it. I think there are two points, but, but the one that I want to use this morning is this. Jesus cares about ordinary problems. He's not just about the big picture stuff of redeeming the world and restoring creation. He's also interested in all of the problems. Uh, he's also interested in all of the problems that in the grand scheme of things might seem irrelevant. But to the individual or family that's going through them, they're huge. He cares about those things too, enough to break with the plan. He cares about those things so much that he will risk getting the mission off track if everyone found out and tried to pressure him into setting up Cana Estate Wineries. So, 
let's talk about how this now plays into Sanhedrin. <laughs> because God, Jesus, Jesus cares about the small things. Now, don't pull into the mall parking lot and pray for Jesus to find you a good parking place. He's not that interested in your needs. But he's interested in people that are sick, that are suffering, that are hungry, okay, that don't have a warm, safe, dry place to live. He's concerned about those details that might not be a big deal to us, but to those families that are suffering, it's a big deal. I mean, can you imagine not knowing where your next meal's coming from? Most of us can just get in the car and ride over to the clay pot and have us a nice lunch. No problem. And most of us have the way to pay for it. What I would suggest, since we don't have a whole lot more time to talk about it, delve into this John chapter 2. Delve into it a little deeper. Do some study about it because there's a tremendous amount in there. And the last verse I know Hank wanted me to cover He said, Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory. That's a pretty big deal for a a wine at at a a wedding at a hick town. That's a pretty big deal. And his disciples believed in him. So that that was the first miracle the disciples had seen. So delve into this story a little bit deeper, and you'll see why John thought it was important enough to put it in as the first sign in his witness of the life of Jesus because John was an eyewitness of that life and we can be too.